This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Living donors. Let's just discuss your living donors. We're allowed to give a kidney to a relative, friend, save a life. And the answer is we don't expect someone, we don't obligate someone to donate a kidney because there's danger involved, and therefore we don't obligate someone to put themselves in danger to save a life. However, if they want to, it's certainly a mitzvah, and they get a blessing from Hashem. So that's a living donor. Living donor, they don't have to, but if they want to, they can. Even though there's an element of, of risk, it's about 10% or less. And therefore, uh, we, we don't, uh, we say it's okay. Okay, now we come to dead donors. Okay. So a dead donor, let's just, uh, number one is, we, we find different kinds of donations. Okay, so number one is a blood. So mitzvah give blood. If you can give blood, it's a tremendous mitzvah. Bone marrow is pretty, uh, it's painful, but it's, there's very little risk involved. And therefore, that's also uh, a mitzvah to do. Kidney transplants, we talked about, and that we said is, you know, obligated, but it's good. Uh, the mortality rate of donors is about 0.24%. So there's very little risk involved. And uh, now we talk about uh, dead donors. So what is a dead donor? So recent advances in medical knowledge and technology made possible the transplantation of organs from a deceased, or in some cases for a living person, we said. But uh, let's talk about deceased. Number one, what's the issues? So this is Rabbi Unterman, who is one of the chief rabbis of Israel. He wrote a book, Shevet Muda. This is written in 1955, so it's very old. But yes, he goes through the issues of, he's the first one to go through the issues of dead donors. Number one. Are you allowed to derive benefit from the dead? That's a big question because we know that you are not allowed, one of the Jewish laws is you're not allowed to derive any dead benefit from the dead. If you, you're not allowed to find, if you find something in like a coffin, you can't reuse a coffin. The dead person used the coffin. Can I reuse, recycle the coffin? I can't. Can't have de- derive any benefit from the dead or anything which you used. So shrouds, I need a shroud. Well, this guy is dead and I'll use his, I'll use his shroud. No, asur. I'm not allowed to derive benefit from the dead. So that's number one. Number two, desecrating the dead. It's called nivul, nivul hamet. Nivul hamet, desecrating the dead is forbidden. Not allowed to desecrate the dead. Number three, not even allowed to delay the burial of the dead. Today we're very, I don't know, people are too lenient on that. Ideally, you should bury the dead person the same day. Ideally, it's the same day. In America, people are very lazy. They don't want to bury the same day. It takes two days too quick. Da, 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 da. They have all the excuses. We need the relatives to come. But ideally, a person should be buried straight away, same day. So, number four, defilement. A person who touches a dead body becomes defiled. So, there's ritual defilement involved. And number, number five, we have a very interesting question. Does a person, before he die, have to give permission? Supposing he says before he dies, I don't want to use my, don't give my organs away. Do we take his opinion into account? Right now he's dead. Do we take his opinions into account? Okay, so that's a question. So, we have a few questions over here. So let's just recap. Number one is you're not allowed to derive benefit from the dead. Number two, you're not allowed to desecrate the body of the dead. Number three, you're not allowed to delay burial of the dead. Number four, you're not allowed to have defilement from the dead. Number five, you, according to some, you need the dead person's permission. Okay, so that's, those are the main, those are the main issues over here. So Rabbi, Rabbi Unterman has a very interesting uh, look at this. We're going to have a talk about this. So Rabbi Unterman says... If the dead person's organ is put into someone else's body and now it's alive, 
that's not considered a dead organ, right? If you take out someone's heart, right now it's dead, because his heart's not pumping, that's death, right? So now you put it in someone else's body, and the heart is now pumping, the heart itself is not dead, and therefore you're not really having benefit from a dead organ. Yeah. <laughs> it's alive now. It, it's like you just revived it. So it's not dead, and therefore there's no contamination, there's no ritual impurity. You know, it's, it's alive now. Okay, so very, very interesting. What about all the organs have to be buried with the person? How yeah, so that's, so that's Nivulamet. Nivulamet, But we have to talk about it for the sake of Pikuah Nefesh. Pikuah Nefesh pushes aside everything. So the question is now, whose obligation is it? The dead person is dead. Is the obligation? To what? Guard his? To do- donate his body. Is it his? Is it an obligation for a person to donate his body? No. It's not his. No, whose body is it? Is it your body? Hashem's body. Hashem's body. You're just the manager for God. God gave you a body. It belongs to God. So who decides whether you donate your organs or not? God. How does God decide? Mm-hmm. Wait, wait, how does God? And the answer is, nefesh, obviously then Hashem says, nefesh, save a life. So who do you ask? And the answer is, society is in charge of saving a life. Who's in charge of saving a life? Guy's dying. Who's in charge of saving a life? Society. We, society, have to make sure that people who are dying have to be saved. So whose obligation is it to save that person's life? And the answer is society. So therefore society has to make the rules that enable society to go and harvest organs of a dead person to give to a person who's dying. But the problem today is they harvest these organs anyway, even if the guy's not dying right now. And they may store some organs in a bank, and eventually these organs may not be used even. So, so that's, that's another problem. The problem is storage of organs. So some people donate organs. They write down, they make a list. Uh, they write down on the back of their, they sign the back of their license to be an organ donor. It's very, very dangerous. Number one is, is the person really dead when they take the organs out? Who decides if the person's dead? So hospitals are going to decide if the person's dead? Uh, who are they to decide? You know, who, what criteria do they use to decide? So number one is, if he's not dead and they take out the organs, then murder. murder. Right, what you say, and the first heart transplant was done in... South Africa, Dr. Christian Bernard, he said it's a double murder. Why? Because they took out the, org- the heart when it was still pumping. Because if you let the heart die, it's very hard to revive it. It's very hard. It dies. It really literally dies within 20 minutes or so. That was in those days. So therefore they took it out while it was still beating. So then what happened was, he says double murder. What happened was, they had to redefine death. So the classical definition of death was either the heart stops beating or the lungs stop working. So the guy is still breathing, he's alive. If his heart is still pumping, he's alive. You have to both stop breathing and stop pumping. That is classical. That was a classical accepted form of death. What happened was, now we need his heart. If we say the heart's going to stop beating before we can take out the heart, it's going to be too late to put in someone else. So they had to redefine death. It's very, very interesting. Redefine death as brain death. How we come on brain death? Before this, brain death was not even a concern. There was no issue of brain death. The guy either stopped breathing or the guy stopped heart. His heart stopped. That's death. But all of a sudden, now we don't want his heart to stop because if his heart stops, we can't use it. So we want to make sure that he's dead even though his heart's still pumping. How do you create a definition of death with a heart still pumping? Ah, oh, brain death. <laughs> So make a new definition of death, which never existed before. It's called brain death. 
Okay, so let's talk a little bit about that. It's a beautiful parable. I'm sure for this parable. It's a parable of Dubna Magid. The Dubna Magid was a very, very famous uh, Magid who would go around from place to place giving Musa. He lived in the time of the Vilna Gaon, and he even gave the Vilna Gaon Musa. The Vilna Gaon would invite him to come and give him Musa. So he wrote this book of parables of the Dubna Magid. He gave Musa by saying stories. And through the story, you'd understand how it affects you. And so he wouldn't talk directly to you. He'd just tell you a story from the story like the Natana Navi. How did Natana Navi rebuke King David after he had this relationship with Bathsheba? How did he rebuke him? He told him a story. And from the story, King David says, I, I admit, I'm guilty. It was me. I'm guilty. So that's the most effective way of telling someone off, is by not telling directly, but telling them indirectly. Tell him a story, and the guy says, oh, that guy's, that guy should be killed. That's what David Amenas said. That guy should have been killed. So that guy's you. Uh-oh. That's the greatness of King David. He admitted straight away. So anyway, Dubla Magid says, there was a famous archer. In this town, there's a famous archer. There's a visitor who goes to this town. He sees targets. You know, targets, archery practice. The targets, the bullseyes. And he sees right in the middle of the bullseye, arrows. Five, ten arrows at the middle of the bullseye. So he goes around the town. He says, who is this archer? This fantastic archer. Bullseyes. He gets bullseyes everywhere. So he says, he lives in that farmhouse over there. He goes to the farmhouse. Knocks on the door. He says, I'm looking for the archer. Says an old man opens the door. Hands shaky like this. Says, I'm looking for the archer. Where's the archer that shoots all these bullseyes? So the old man says, I am the archer. He said, but how can you be the archer? Your hands are shaking. He says, very simple. First I shoot the arrows, and then I draw the target. This way the target is drawn around the arrows that I shot. There's always a bullseye over there. So the same thing applies to medical ethics today. Medical ethics is, whichever way you want to draw it, um, we'll find a way to make it allowed. So I want the doctor to say, I want to take out the heart while it's still beating, but it's murder. So you know what? We're going to redefine death as brain death. That's how brain death started. The whole issue of brain death started because to take out the organs while they're still be working. That was the whole redefinition. So the question is, what is the category of brain death? How, how does Judaism view brain death? And the answer is, yeah, we do accept brain death. Only question is, how do you define brain death? Because everyone agrees, if the head is not there, the person's head was cut off. Is he dead or alive? The person has no head. He's deep, but his, but his heart is still beating for a few minutes. Huh? Is he dead or alive? He's still, his body's reflexing. Right, so is he alive or dead? He's dead. Definitely he's dead. You find the chickens. You can do shkit on chickens, and the chickens running around. It's amazing how they run around without a head. They don't have a head, but they're running around. So it's a reflex. It's a bodily reflex, even though the person has no head. The person has no head. Is he alive or dead? And the answer is, he's dead. So you see, there's a concept of brain death built into the halakha. What does brain death mean? Brain death means as if the head is not there. It's got to be to the point, it's got to be dead enough, it's like the brain. So the question is, big in halakha, what is brain death? So there's different ways of measuring the brain. They do EKGs of the brain. So you have a, the brain flat lines, sign of death. There's no brain waves. Or there's no reflexes in the body. They do all kinds of tests on the person. So the chief rabbin in Israel came out with a paper where they published all the criteria for brain death. This criteria, this criteria, this criteria, this criteria. 
So there's an upper part of the brain stem and there's a lower part of the brain stem. The upper part of the brain stem is all the thoughts and all the emotions. That's the upper part of the brain. The lower part of the brain stem is the basic functions of the body. One of the most basic functions of the body is the hypothalamus. The hypothalamus measures the temperature of the body. So the last thing that goes is the hypothalamus. And that's how they know someone's dead. That's one of the signs is if he's cold. If the body is cold, the brain stem, the lower brain stem is not working. It doesn't adjust the body temperature. When the terrorists used to blow up people, neutral, for instance, the medics would go around and collecting all the body parts, all of them. What does God, God has control of the soul or the body? I understand. I understand your question. If the person is dead, his soul is gone. Right? Right. So what but the body parts are holy. With the body parts are like the... Parts of the body away. The body parts are holy. That's what I'm saying. The body parts are holy. That's why they go collecting the body parts because the body parts are holy. Because just like the Benedictash, if you have God's presence inside the Benedictash, the Benedictash becomes holy. So our neshama is inside the body. The body is holy. However, we're talking about a case of pikuach nefesh. Yeah, you're right. You're not allowed to defile. You're not allowed to defile a human body. However, what about amputation? Amputation is saving your life. Pikuach nefesh. They don't amputate for no reason. It's not allowed. But if you have to save a life, but the part you amputate has to be buried. If it has a bone in it, it has to be buried. If it hasn't a bone, it doesn't have to be buried. So, say you take out someone's kidney, it wasn't working properly. What do you do with it? Nothing. But if you take out someone's, they cut out someone's finger, it has to be buried. Now, God forbid, you, you, if a person's leg is amputated, but, and they're alive, they continue living, you save that? Yeah, they bury it. They bury it straight away in his, in his burial plot. <coughs> we had a case in the shul. The guy who had it amputated, we buried his leg. And then 10 years later, we buried him. Same place. So it depends. If it's, if it's the blood which comes out of a wound which he dies from, that blood is lifeblood. And if it's going to be buried with him. So sometimes we don't, we don't remove his... Usually we, before you, we bury someone, we, we quash them. It's called Tahara. We do Tahara. We, we wash the person. However, if he died from a bullet wound, say, you don't want to wash him. That body wound, that, the, all the blood is part of his body, and his, even his shirt, everything with blood in it, which, from the wound which he died from, has to be buried with him. Okay. Are the bones different holiness than the, everything else? The bones transmit tumor. So they're, they're organs, and they're considered organs, they have, need to have burial. The flesh does not need to have burial. No. Right? And nefesh is the nefesh. No. Yeah. Adam or nefesh. It depends on your blood. The blood which kills the person, that's nefesh. What does that mean? means that you lose enough blood that the guy dies, that blood which came out, which killed him, that's the nefesh blood. Same thing with an animal. Damo nefesh. So the animal now is bleeding. If like you shecht an uh, 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 ox, the blood goes up like a spout. Like a, it really is like a spout. So which blood is the one which kills him? The last blood which comes out, now his blood pressure is so low that he dies, that last blood, which is damo nefesh. Not the whole blood. The mutar donates blood? Yeah. Mitzvah. It's your life. It's not going to kill you. So you're allowed to. 
You, in fact, you should. If you know there's a person who needs blood, you have to go and give it. Yeah, so if you don't know, it's a mitzvah. It's good. You don't have an obligation, but it's a mitzvah. Like say they announce, say in Israel they announce, we're short of blood donors. People are dying. And you have to quickly. There's a war or something. Bar Minan. Persons should go if they can. They're not sick. If they're sick, obviously they're patur. If they're not sick, they should go and give blood. So, let's just recap. So we're saying that. A dead donor, he has no obligations. He's dead. Right? So I don't know if he signs... Some people say he's got to give, he's got to give permission before he dies. Because not everyone wants to, their bodies to be cut up in pieces. It's, uh, you know, it's hard to think about it. My body's going to be cut up. I'm going to have my liver in this person, my kidneys in this person, my this and this other person. And my body's going to be, you know. I, I'm of the opinion that there's no obligation to do it. Why? Because it's not your body. It's Hashem's body. Whose obligation is it? Society's obligation. Society has to make sure that this person will not die and live. But how's he going to do that? They say, oh, there's a dead person next door who has organs. Let's harvest his organs to give this person. But the person himself who's dead, how can he have a mitzvah? But he's dead. He's, a, he's past mitzvah. What they do with his body, that's society's concern. So obviously there's laws of the Torah. It's a safeguard, the body. You don't have to play around with the body. But for the sake of a life, you're definitely allowed to take parts of the body, as long as you know the person is dead. So that's it, that's when we come to brain death, make sure the person is dead. So even even if someone before they die expresses in their wishes that they do not want any of their organs to be taken, yes. it's still left up to society to say... Yeah, I would say so. Even though Rabunta, others, some rabbis say, no, he has to get permission. But I would say yes. Why? It's quite nefesh. You don't ask. Let me give an example. And that is a person says, before I die, I want to cremate my body. Do you listen to them or not? Yeah. No, of course not. Why? No, no. So what? But they said, he wrote in his will. I have a case here, right now. The woman's dying, cremate my body. So luckily her daughter came to me and said, my mother says cremate my body. I said, no accounts, you're not allowed to listen to her. Not to break Torah law. Just because you sign your name doesn't mean you're allowed to break Torah law. What about societal law that... With it depends. It depends on the will. It depends on how it's uh, exec- who's the executor. She's the executor. So it depends on the situation. So there's other executors who, who can sue you. What are you going to do? It's a problem. It's a problem. It's a massive problem today in the Jewish in the Jewish world because you have people who want to be cremated. The people who want to put in mausoleums. All this is against Jewish law. Mausoleums, cremation. All this is totally against Jewish law. This is not the way Jews get buried. And Jews should be buried in the earth. Autopsy, you have no choice. It depends. If it's, so society decides it's going to be autopsy because you want to save a life or you want to find the murderer. What are you going to do? You're going to fight it? Go fight it. Get a lawyer and fight it. It's very hard to fight it. Once they decide to do an autopsy, it's very, very hard to get out of it. But autopsies are allowed in Jewish law if you can save a life immediately. What does that mean? That means the guy had a poison. We don't know what poison it is. But if you find out what the poison is, you can give the next guy an uh, antidote. So there's a sickness or whatever. If I can do research right now, I can, I can cure the se- I can figure out what the sickness is and save the next guy. Then you're allowed to in Jewish law. Because it's, again, for Pigua Nefesh. Pigua Nefesh pushes aside everything. I don't know. That's a very good question. But that's a question for the Holocaust. They ground up the bones and burned it. And the answer is Hashem is the bars. Well, you think he's going to stop Hashem? <laughs> Hashem wants to bring, he'll bring his Tiyat HaMetim, he'll bring someone back. Yeah, the guy with the lose won't come back. The guy without the lose will come back. It's all in Hashem's hands. There's no, there's no, nothing stops Hashem.
Hashem knows who did it willingly, who did it unwillingly. Anus. Anus Rahmana Patre. There's no, no choice. So, yeah, just answer this. Tell him what time it is. And if someone uh, did this cremation, Mincha. and you, you, can, you can bury the ashes, so it's not, no, no help. Of course, you have to bury no. it. But not in the cemetery. No. You can't bury it in the Jewish cemetery. That's the problem. Because uh, he broke the he broke the law. Can't bury it. You can bury it, but not in the Jewish cemetery. You should bury it. Is it 430? It says. Yeah. What does it say? What does the Torah say? Okay. Al so don't let the little body of the in the store a murderer. Don't leave the body of a murderer hanging on the tree. And in Jewish law, what do you do? The guy is a murderer. He's a capital offense. Capital punishment. And then we hang his body on the tree. Imagine. So it's a warning to everyone else. Imagine you kill someone. He's a murderer. Kill him and hang his body on the tree till when? He's dead. Huh? Till he's dead. He's dead. He was dead before. Oh. We hang the dead man's body on the tree and then what? Till sunset. sunset. And then it says, take his body down that same day and bury him. Bury him on the same day. Which implies that you're not allowed to hang around with dead bodies. And especially in Yerushalayim, they're very quick. They bury 24-7. Except Shabbat morning, Shabbat day. But uh, Shabbat, straight away they bury the guy. So it's 24-7. Imagine they're burying. They don't leave any bodies around because it's mitame, it's, it's defiling the land. So we bury straight away. So burning is not, when the Torah says Shrefa, of a person who sinned, it's not talking about burning with fire, it's talking about pouring, boiling lead into his mouth, which burns him from the inside, not the outside. Although Rabbi Huda felt that it was burning from the outside, it's also Yotze. We don't follow Rabbi Huda. The Christians followed Rabbi Huda. The Christians, they didn't want to spill blood. We're not going to spill blood over human beings. Well, you know what they did? They burned him alive. Okay, that's the most humane way. Is that the most humane way to kill someone? Oh, God. It's probably the worst way you can kill someone. Burn the person alive. Anyway, Jewish law is not burning alive. It's just First, they have to make him drunk. And that's where the custom, the Sephardic custom, say, Lechaim, on wine. Because they would ask the Beitin, Sabri Maran, what's the verdict? Lechaim or Lamita? And if it's Lechaim, then the head of the Beitin drank the wine. It's Lamita, then they gave it to the dead person. He drank the wine. Before he died, he drank the wine. He was tipsy, and then they could kill him. And the person's tipsy, it's much easier to kill the guy. He doesn't feel the pain. So interesting. So what do we say so far? Number one, we said we're talking about organ donation. Number one, we said if it's a living donor, he's allowed to give an organ, as long as he's not going to kill him, obviously. As long as the danger is very minimal. There's no obligation to donate a learned organ, but it's a mitzvah. If you can save someone's life. So obviously blood, mitzvah. It's a tremendous mitzvah to donate blood. Donate marrow, bone marrow. I'm on the marrow registry. I haven't been called yet, Baruch Hashem. But I'm on the registry. It's very simple. They take a swab of uh, DNA from your mouth. Inside your mouth, take a swab, and they put it on the registry. If there's a match, then they'll call you. They'll call you. So... Uh, that's very easy. That's an obligation. If there's a, if you have a match, you directly a mitzvah, pikuah nefesh. You're saving a life. It's amazing. So giving blood, yes, obligation. Bone marrow, obligation. Kidneys, not an obligation. Why? There's an element of risk. It's very low. I mean, it's 0.24%. In those days, 0.24%. It's much less now, probably. So therefore, there's no obligation because there's an element of risk. But it's a good deed. Definitely a good deed to, to donate. 
Definitely a good deed. And now, then we talked about dead donors. So dead donors, we said, there's a whole bunch of prohibitions. That's number one. You're not allowed to mess around with a dead body. In fact, you're not allowed to have benefit from any dead body. You know, and then there's laws of uh, Tumah, dead body. And uh, finally, we have Pekua Nefesh, which is the biggest thing. So we said about harvesting uh, donors. Harvesting donors. You know, you've got to make sure the donor is dead. Take out someone's heart when it's still beating. We said, Ramosha Franklin said, the first heart transplants were double murders. Because the guy taking the heart from, the heart was still beating. And the guy who's getting the heart is going to die very shortly. So the first heart transplants were double, double murders. So what happened was, they had to redefine death as brain death. That's where the brain death came from. So you can imagine, the, the ethicist came along with this brilliant idea. Ah, he may still be breathing, and his heart may still be beating, but his brain is dead. So now you've got to work out what, what is brain death. So the chief rabbi in Israel has a whole bunch of regulations to define what is brain death. And brain death basically is the guy's dead. Brain death in Jewish law means it's absolute death. The guy's dead, which is the point where his hypothalamus, which regulates the body temperature, doesn't work anymore. So lower brain, de- lower brain stem is also dead. So maybe he has some reflexes, but he's pretty dead. So it's a very, very strict version of, of brain death which was allowed to uh, facilitate heart transplants and other kinds of transplants. So we said that number one is it's not an obligation the person to donate because he's going to be dead when he's, they're going to donate. He has no obligations. When a person's dead, there's no mitzvah. Is he going to get a mitzvah if he donates his organs? That's a very big question. Depends who gets the organs. Suppose you donate your organ to a rasha. Are you getting a mitzvah? by <laughs> Every time he does an avirah, you say, who? who kept him alive, Hashem says? You? <laughs> it's a scary thing. Who gets your daughter? Do- you know, I don't know. It's a very, well, it's a very hard thing to think about, right? Who's getting my organ? Who's who am I keeping alive through doing this? I don't know. It's a very big question because there's no way of regulating the thing. You can't just write in your will. You know, I donate my organs to only sadikim. You can't do that. You, know, you just sign a blank form and that's it. It goes to whoever it is, and whoever it is can do whatever they want with their lives, and you get credit or, or demerits. You have no. <laughs> Have no way of knowing what's going on. You're keeping a guy alive. What kind of guy are you keeping alive? What's he doing with the, the gift you gave him? That's the question. These are all theoretical questions. They're not halakhic really questions, but they're, they're philosophical questions, which no one, I think, deals with. I haven't seen anyone deal with that question. But really has. It scares me. You know, who am I giving my organs to? You know, you're helping people who are over Avera, you're helping people who are over Mitzvah. So there's no way of, of judging that. There's no way of... Anyway. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen v'amen. Rabbi Hananiah. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.